Welcome to the Living in the Future podcast, where we bring to light specialized topics from life in the modern age. I'm talking to Gregory Casamento, Newstep lead developer. Newstep is a development framework that closely follows the one used on macOS. It allows people to take the code of programs written for macOS and use them on other systems like Windows or Linux with almost no development work. It also allows people to write programs using an environment similar to the one on macOS. Hi, Greg. To start, at least at the beginning, let's let's talk about when Steve Jobs left Apple in the 80s. Okay. Hey, how's it going? Um, yeah, uh, basically, Steve Jobs was, I mean, he was let go from Apple because of a disagreement between him and the, um, the, the CEO that he hired. Um, but, I mean, everybody knows that. But um, once he left, he created a, a, you know, a new company called Next. And Next was um, based on other ideas that he had gotten from Xerox Park. In fact, I remember reading an article that quoted him saying that when he went to Xerox and created the Mac, based on what he saw, he said he only saw the surface, the very top of everything. And then he didn't, what he did when he went to Next was he realized that everything that he missed was based on small talk. And so Next was an attempt to capture that environment in a friendlier sort of uh, setting, like, you know, under Unix, so that so that people could use um, small talk like constructs in Objective-C to build applications. Um, but for, I mean, next step was basically just, I mean, when it first started out, it was basically just, uh, there was no foundation layer. Because right now, Cocoa consists of the foundation layer, the app kit, and the core data layer. And Cocoa is the current Mac OS uh, yeah. development environment. Yes, that's correct. Um, and what basically, I mean, what happened was is that they were using this like C strings and stuff like that in Next Step as the as sort of the foundation layer. But I mean, and then an app kit layer, as well as an interface builder and stuff like that, and and the and a pro and project builder. But that framework, I mean, when they when they realized that the C part of things wasn't necessarily portable everywhere, um, they moved to creating something called I mean a framework called Foundation, and then they revamped App Kit. And they added the now, you know, recognizable NS prefix, which some people say stands for next step, but other people think it stands for next, next sun, which, and I think the second one is actually correct. That That's a little further down the road. When they first start doing the development, they were going to do hardware and software. Right. Operating systems at that time weren't that uh, solid. And so this was seen as an innovation. And then they fail at hardware, so then they start doing software, software. right? Yeah. Yeah, because they had created the Cube, and the Cube was, of course, an elegant machine. And then they created the uh, the uh, the pizza box, the um, next station. And both machines are, are beautifully designed and 
wonderful machines actually had a couple of them. I think I have one or two of the slabs in storage and um, they're beautiful machines. It's just that they were really, really expensive. Um, and uh, so Next moved away from doing hardware uh, and just started doing purely software. And um, they had moved to the Intel architecture, which is, I mean, and during that during that transition, they they were supporting not only the old black hardware, but the new like Intel hardware, you know, which was basically pretty much any PC that you could put together that fit their specs. But it's it's actually interesting because that that's that's where what we what we called back then fat binaries came from. It goes by another name today. It's called universal binaries. So when they switched from PowerPC back to Intel in I think 2000 and something, I can't remember. It, there was really no work to it. It was just using the the mock o uh, what is it tagged sections, which basically said this binary in this mock o file is for this architecture. So um, that's that's I mean, and sort of if you if you follow, you know, the development of OpenStep, it eventually, you know, once Apple bought Next and Next sort of took over from the inside, you know, Apple became I'm sorry, uh, Steve Jobs became uh, the CEO and, you know, Avi Tavinian became the the developer for operating systems. And various other key people at Next took key positions at at Apple. You know, it it was sort of a reverse takeover. Um, Mac, I mean, what was OpenStep, you know, 4.2 whatever became Coco when they when they released what was called um, Rhapsody. And Rhapsody was and was basically OpenStep with a Mac look on top, and things sort of went from there to their first release for uh, PowerPC, which was, you know, which was um, Mac OS 10.0. And the GNU step community, I mean, we really, we really just, I mean, if you don't mind me going into that at this point. Sure. um, GNU step started as an idea by a man named Paul Kuhn at uh, Slack, Um, and what he did was he had written a next step application called HippoDraw, which is basically just a simple drawing application. He created a a library called uh, libobjectivecx, which contained just what he needed to you know, to to build his application on Solaris, I believe. And from, I mean, he was, he submitted that to the FSF. And I'm not sure if he was allowed to, to, um, I'm not sure if he was allowed to assign the copyright to the FSF, but still it was the beginning of an idea. And what happened was, is that um, some, I mean, another, some guy, a couple of guys, one of his names, Andrew McCallum, and Scott Chrisley started to write uh, GNU Step and started to come up with, you know, the base, the foundation layer. Now, is this after the publication of the specification or? Yeah. 
so what happens from my understanding is that when they fail at doing their own operating system, they just sell the development tools, which people seem to like and feel advances yeah. stuff. And well, when they do that, they publish the specification of them. Right. Yeah. Thank you for thank you for uh, bringing me down that that avenue. Um, yeah. What had happened is is that there were basically, I mean, there was of course a reference implementation which was. OpenStep 4.2 for Mog, which you could buy and get on your, you know, your your Intel machine, um, as long as you had a compatible hardware. Like you had to have certain video cards and certain sound cards to make it work. Um, of course, there was also another uh, some what they called white hardware, which was Canon's Object Station, which a lot of people have forgotten about. Um, and the Object Station was sort of supposed to be the premium white hardware solution for next step and open step um so you had that but you also had open step for um open step for windows or open step for what was it called um open step enterprise for windows um and basically that was just the frameworks in the development environment um ported to windows and I mean, it's it's funny. It's you can grab it on the internet now today, and it still works. You grab it, you install it, and, and of course, you know, knowing Microsoft, they keep everything compatible. So, you know, all the way back to way back when, and you can still run OpenStep Enterprise applications just fine on your on your Windows box, um, and you can build them too. So I mean, and, and you can install the environment. So it's actually pretty cool. Um, but they also released something called uh, OpenStep for Solaris 1.1. And OpenStep Open for Solaris was, it actually, if you look at it, it looks very much like GNUstep used to a few, I mean, many years ago. Because, you know, they're using X. They're basically, they wrote a version, I mean, they wrote uh, a display postscript layer above X. And then they they wrote the rest of, you know, the OpenStep spec over top of that. And funny little side story is that a lot of the people who worked on OpenStep at Next transitioned over to work on Java at Sun. Because when, I think, I believe when Sun did its OpenStep implementation. It gave them a lot of ideas that inspired parts of parts of Java. Of course, a lot of people will very likely, you know, vehemently argue or deny with that point. But it's a matter of course that I mean, it's a matter of fact that there was a uh, there was an OpenStep disclaimer. Sorry, not disclaimer. Copyright. Uh, uh, what is it? Notice in the 1.0 version of Java. I've heard that. I heard that as well when it was happening. That that uh, Java in some way was delivering on what Next Step was trying to do with the cross-platform development tools. Right. But when the spec gets published, that allows anybody to re-implement it. Yes. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, and um, the uh, I mean the 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 policy at Next as I remember it, because I, I um, was that if you could pass 
the uh, their their test suite, then you would be officially labeled a version of OpenStep or an implementation of OpenStep. You didn't have to pay any. I don't believe that you had to pay any licensing fees for it. But you know, um, of course, the GNU Step project. Once that spec was published, you know, we moved away from doing anything with Next Step because obviously at that point Next Step is is a, is a dead you know a dead end. Right. And so we followed the OpenStep spec, but we also added anything that Mac OS X or OpenStep itself, because the spec actually didn't create, didn't have all of the classes that were in OpenStep 4.2. There were other classes in OpenStep 4.2 that that were not specified in in the the 1994 publication of the of the OpenStep specification. So what we did was we we implemented, you know, most of the spec. Some classes, you know, like NS data link and stuff like that didn't really make a lot of sense on other platforms. So, you know, we have stubs in there for that, for classes that, you know, have no functionality outside of Apple or outside of Next at the time. But from there, we followed the, we followed Coco, which is of course what OpenStep became, you know, up until today. Um, right now, one of the things that I'm working on personally is trying to get us to 10.15, which is Catalina compatibility. And if you follow on with the the diffs between 10.15 and 11, and then 12, there's not really that many. There's only some formatter changes, some behavioral changes with NS buttons and so on. But GNUstep has been trying very hard over the last 10 years to to get compatible to uh, with modern versions of of of, uh, of Coco and um, uh, in enhancing the development tools. We have support now for zip files uh, when you create a an application that uses zip files as to to specify to, to do your to do your interface. Um, it can read those zip files directly. It can also read storyboard files. That was, I mean, I've, I, I, I played a huge part in implementing the support for, uh, for, for these things over the last several years. Um, I became the, I wasn't always the, the, uh, what is it? The, um, the maintainer. I joined the project in, I think I, I've known about the project since 1999. And I followed it until 2003 when I initially became an official member. Um, and at that point, I uh, I think my first class was something like NS Screen or something like that, which basically figured out dimensions and color depths and stuff like that for displays you have attached to your computer. But I moved on from that to writing a number of different classes, as well as taking over the stalled, uh, what is it, development of the interface builder equivalent, which was known as GORM. And with GORM, I had to enhance NS table view, write NS, NS outline view, um, write uh, a bunch of other classes like uh, like the, um, 
the the class that uh, NS Toolbar, uh, you know, and various other things so that I could even write GORM. So I had to basically bootstrap GORM from the from the bottom from the you know from the bottom up. I had to write all of the GUI classes that supported it. I had to write GORM itself. And the cool thing was is that I used GORM to write GORM. I would create GORM files to create inspectors for classes that I was writing or stuff like that in GUI. And it was it was it was a I mean it it would took me a number of years to work out not a number of years but a number of well a number of years to finish gorm for one thing but it took me months to figure out certain things like custom class support because there are sort of three modes of custom class support in in interface builder um one of them is where you use uh basically a proxy class where uh it's a completely unknown new class that isn't based on anything where you can say it's similar like in Xcode where you would draw drag in an NS object, um, you know, uh, th- uh, an NS object object from the library, and then you would basically say, okay, well this NS object, this object here is some other class that I've defined, or uh, the second, the other mode is that you take an existing class, like say NS OpenGL view or NS outline view or NS view, something like that. And you basically create a subclass of that, that actually there's only two modes, sorry. Um, you create a subclass of that, that then acts in the, in the, the that then when, when the GORM file or the nib file or whatever is loaded into a live application, it then assumes that that class is uh, you know, it, it then instantiates itself as the subclass rather than the parent class. You know what I'm saying? So you're editing it in GORM as an NSView, but you might be editing it in, um, in sorry, you might be using it in your cl- in your application as my view or some other type of view or something like that. Um, so I mean, it, it took me a while to figure that out, and it's it 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 sounds simple, but it's it's not because because you have to switch modes when you load it into the editor you know you know what i'm saying it you you get you have to treat it differently when it when it loads into the editor and you also have like editor classes that um wrap around the the existing classes inside of the model file you know gorm nib whatever that you're using i mean at this point you know gorm can i mean sorry not not gorm um GUI, the AppKit equivalent in, in GNU Step, can handle, uh, I think it can handle GORM files, nib files, the XML-based ones, not not the not the old next ones, um, zip files, and um, we used to have something called G model files, which were similar to the XML uh, nibs, but you know they were using plists and. Honestly, historically, thinking back now, we should probably have stuck with that because that was they were almost exactly like the XML nibs that are that that were used a few years back by Mac OS. So, um, so, I mean, in some ways, you're saying that the frameworks that you've created that have tracked Mac OS are in some ways more adaptable than the ones delivered by Apple. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we actually have 
we we don't have all of the classes that Apple has yet. Where I mean, if you look in the repository, there's a file called missing um, in Libs GUI. Where I mean, GNU Step is hosted on GitHub, so you should be able to find it on GitHub. Um, and under Libs GUI and Libs Base, there's a file called missing. And what those what that file specifies is everything that's not there. And right now we're only missing about, I think, 20 some odd classes. And some of those classes are really insignificant. They're like drag and drop this or, you know, um, they basically have to do it. Some of them have to do with drag and drop. The one I'm working on right now is NS collection view because between 10.5 when it was introduced and 10.11, it was drastically changed. Um, so there are some places that GNU Step has more capability than the Mac, than Mac OS uh, Coco, and there are some places where we are lacking some functionality. Um, but I'm working, I personally and others are working very hard to close that gap, so that you know, so that it becomes a no-brainer uh, for most Mac OS. Uh, applications or Cocoa-based applications to be ported over to to you know any one of Linux, Windows, FreeBSD, or any of the other BSDs. Um, do, you, do you feel that Apple, as the iPhone has grown, has taken a focus off Mac OS X? Yes, I do, um, because you see a ton of new development in you know the iOS side of things, you see a lot of new UI kit classes, you see a lot of new functionality that comes to iOS rather than um, coming to the Cocoa frameworks. I, I'm not sure whether or not that's because Apple is favoring those frameworks or if the Cocoa framework is viewed as more mature because of course it is, what, 30, almost 35 years old now. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I, I have made that observation in the past. Yes, absolutely. And so, so if somebody has these applications that they've written for next or more prominently for Mac OS with all the work you've done and they want to keep using them on, on an updated system, you, you're providing a way for them to keep distributing them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in fact, um, there is one application or one company, a few companies that have done this in the past. Um, um, I can talk, I can talk about them publicly. So one of them is eggplant, which is now owned by, uh, Keysight. Keysight is a large electronics producer and they're also a large testing, uh, equipment and software company. Um, and what they have done is they have their application called Eggplant Functional and all of their other eggplant offerings like test. What they do is they test uh, applications graphically. And what they what I had them do several years ago, I proposed that to them that I mean, they actually came to me and, and said that they needed a way to move off of. Um, to move off of Cocoa, they wanted to move. They wanted to expand their market to Windows, and I helped them do that. 
um, back then we didn't have a very good way of of translating uh, Xcode build file or Xcode project files. Um, we had a I had written a quick and dirty utility called PBX build, but now what I've done is I've created a library that is called uh, libxcode, and what it does is it reads the Xcode project file directly, gathers all the data about the build um, build phases and copy phases and various scripting fa script phases that you might have in your project, and literally all you need to do is go into your project. I mean, after you've built and installed libsxcode, and of course, its front end is called build tool. I didn't, I didn't want to, I didn't want to name it Xcode build because then that would imply that it has all the same options and stuff like that, and, and it doesn't at the present time. Um, but all you need to do is go into your project and type build tool, and it will read and interpret and build the application from the Xcode project file on on another platform. Currently, it doesn't work on Windows because there's kind of a, a the system command and the various various other pro, uh, system calls that try to execute things on the command line. It tries to execute it under a DOS shell, which doesn't work because um, the uh, the installation of GNU Step on Windows depends on MSYS2. But yeah, I mean. So it, GNU Step basically offers a way that where you can take your OpenStep application or your macOS application with an Xcode project file um, and directly port it over to, um, to any platform that supports GNU Step or that GNU Step can build on with a minimum with a minimal amount of changes. Um, I mean, and that's the aim. Oddly, I mean, just one observation. Oddly, I have been contracted by a number of different companies in order to do the, in order to do ports. But I would say that any qualified Mac OS X uh, developer, any person who knows Coco very well, could do it. They don't have to have any special knowledge about GNU Step or anything like that. I think some of these companies bring me on because I'm the lead. But, you know, um, it's just it's it's very simple. It's just GNU Step, and, and one thing I have to other also mention is one thing that GNU Step is infamous for is looking just like Next Step. Well, I mean the thing about that is that when we first wrote it, when we first did GNU Step, we 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 didn't have any other model to follow, so we just followed what what we knew and then when it changed over to when they changed over to using aqua and stuff like that um you know obviously that was something that we wanted to also offer so we we created um various uh, we created various themes and we removed the drawing uh uh code from a lot of the different you know, buttons and stuff like that, things that have sort of, you know, things that can be drawn in other ways or could be drawn, should be drawn in other ways on other platforms. And we created a, a theming framework, which basically, if you don't have any theme loaded, you're using the default theme. But if you do load a theme, which you can do dynamically, then it will replace all of those drawing functions with the ones from the theme. Okay, and what that means is, is that 
you can basically theme GNU Step to look like pretty much anything that you want. I mean, we have a a Windows theme that delegates the theme, the, sorry, delegates the button drawing and stuff like that to the WinUX theme.dll, which is the theming framework that Windows uses. Okay, so whenever you create, when you if you if you're using a GNU Step application on Windows, it will use whatever the current, it will draw the buttons and other things in the theme that you currently have loaded on Windows. And if you change that theme on Windows, it will change to that too. And people have commented that it looks so pixel perfect. Well, that's because we're not, we're using a thin layer on Windows to basically go, okay, well, here's our theme, and then go delegate this to the to the theme drawing framework that exists on Windows. Um, we did I did I did the same thing for um, GNOME, well GTK with a while back, um, so not the modern version. But um, you know there's also themes that that um, that come very close to looking like Mac OS, you know uh, the Aqua sort of like the Aqua look and various other you know. Uh, themes that exist on on Mac OS, Mac OS 10, sorry. Um, so basically, yeah, I mean, we can, I mean, GNU Step is not locked into looking like Next Step. And a lot of people have that misconception. Sorry, go ahead. I, I, I mean, I've done it myself. I've, I've installed the Aqua theme and seen the difference. And it does look like an Aqua application. I have to say that I mean that that actually brings another point, which is that you could port your Mac OS application to something looking like a native Windows application using the framework as well. Mm-hmm. That that that's pretty impressive. What are you guys working on currently? Um, mainly uh, getting up to speed with ten point fifteen. Uh, getting up to because we want to be able to when someone asks what version of Mac OS 10 does GNU Step support, you know, up until now it's been very difficult to say oh it supports 10 point whatever, but we want to be able to say that it supports hey we support 10.15 that's it if you have a 10 point an application that uses anything up to 10.15 we got you, you know <laughs> I mean that's the kind of that's what we're that's that's what we're pushing for right now um also you know perfecting you know the the build tool and the libs xcode uh stuff that i told you about i mean those are my two current those are my two current goals at this point um and the rest of i mean everybody else is working on like uh you know better support for i mean we do have complete support for zip files so that's not a problem you know, fixing bugs, making sure everything is, you know, very stable. One of the big holes in GNU Step right now, just full disclosure, is printing. Um, because, you know, as I said before, we wrote we wrote sort of a, we didn't really write a, a DPS layer, but we wrote something close. And basically, it contains all of the all of the calls, all of the postscript calls that you would normally make. In a in an application in order to or on on either next step, open step or early days, uh, OS 10 because in the early days there was a layer on top of 
of courts for a while that would let you use the old DPS calls. I'm not sure if anybody else is aware of that. Um, but we have, a, we have a DPS layer. And so, I mean, though it's not all DPS, I mean, all of DPS as it would have existed on, you know, OpenStep or, or Mac, it's, it's enough at this point to do, you know, pretty good rendering. I mean, I mean, perfect rendering on the screen, but it's quite different when you're rendering to a page. And one of the issues that we're, we're having is, is that, you know, not always, but sometimes when you print something out from an, an, a GNU step application, uh, it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't handle images correctly. So that's one thing we're, we're, we're working on. That's a, that's one big thing that we're trying to fix is printing doesn't work perfectly. Um, you know, uh, and there's, there's really no other really big holes in GNU step at this point. Um, the only thing that I've been trying to sort of decode is, um, Apple has moved to using, instead of using like zip files or nib files and stuff like that in their, you know, compiled applications. Because what used to happen is, is that they're, they're now using something called the nib archive, which is completely foreign to me. I've never heard of it before. Mm. Um, and that's something that's new in like, I think 10, in, in new in like version 12. And I mean, in some ways, maybe I'm being a little bit paranoid. In some ways, I think they are doing that because <laughs> because they won't, don't want anybody to be able to read those files. They want be, people to they don't want people to be able to just just go in and decode, you know, nib files or zip files or something like that. You know. So the nib files are what what contain the user interface descriptions, correct? Correct. And I mean, it seems to be a trend with them that they they seem to be moving to more and more proprietary solutions from what started off as an open specification. Right. With the success of the iPhone specifically. Right. And I mean, I will I will tell you, I mean, we. I mean, I'm speaking only for myself. I can't speak for others in the group. Sure. You know, I, I love my Mac, okay? Right. And I love my iPhone. But the one thing that I hate about Apple is what you just mentioned. Right. And the whole one of the whole reasons why initially in 1997 and in 2003, one of the reasons why I got so passionately involved with um, this project was because I was afraid that Apple was going to kill it because Apple used to have a, a tendency to buy things and then kill them and then, and then just either ruin them or destroy them. And I was supremely convinced that Apple was just going to buy, buy next just to get jo- uh, Steve Jobs back. And that was, you know, so I had, I mean, I had fallen in love with Next Step and Open Step when I was in college because I went to the University of Maryland and Next had, I think they had donated like 500 machines, uh, I think a few cubes and a, 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 a ton of slabs and stuff like that. 
to the University of Maryland at College Park. So I got a lot of exposure to that operating system when I was there. And I found it to be, you know, very, very beautiful. And I didn't want it to die. So that's why I took, you know, such a such a deep interest in this project was because of that. And um, so basically, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is they they have moved they and they, and they and to be honest with you, what it feels like with respect to um, what they're doing now, where they're moving from, you know, what we used to be an open specification. And then trying to lock it down in as many ways as possible, at least development-wise, you know, um, with, you know, signing of executables, particularly on the M1, where you can't disable certain protection protocols, um, you know. And um, so basically, I mean, they're taking something that is beautiful and they're ruining it. And one of the reasons, I mean, like I said, I love my Apple stuff. But I don't like their lock-in. And one of the things that GNU-STEP will never do is follow that lock-in. And I believe strongly that one of the things that GNU-STEP is doing is it's allowing people who have written their apps for either, you know, for the for the for the Mac to free themselves to to run on Windows, to run on um, to run on Linux. You know, the the company that I mentioned earlier, Eggplant or Keysight. Their main distribution channel right now is Windows. It's a Mac application with a Cocoa code based code base running primarily for Windows users. About, I mean, the only a certain percentage of the people that they distribute to are, you know, are Mac users and Linux users, but their Windows users far outstrip either one of those combined. So, I mean, it's just GNU-STEP offers a way out of the lock-in, and that's one of the things that I've been trying to get across to people for a long time. I mean, one of the things I am working on, and I'm sure this is, should have been part of what your previous question was, is, um, well, okay, some background. I had written, or I'd helped a company named Algorithm, and Algorithm is a German company. What they do is they provide... Um, they provide a application on on Android that uh, and on and on you know the I, I, on the iPhone that is basically like a um, a DJ sort of application where you have the little discs and stuff like that and you can do repeating beats and various other things. It's a musical app. And what they did on um, on Android is they they took the GNU Step Foundation layer and their graphical layer is not that apparently for them not that complicated. So they they implemented that using the um, I think QT. I think they took they used QT because they already had some of that work already done. But essentially, a large part of their application is GNU Step based. Um, so uh, so you know it's it's allowed them to 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 take their application and remove it partially not remove it but but you know have it running on the android flat platform you know and the all the foundational stuff the the networking the you know the file management i'm sure some of the maybe maybe even some of the sound generation mm -hmm. you know, but you know handling of events and stuff like that is done by gnu step 
um, one of the things that I am working on on top of that, because that is sort of like that adds all of the the, the people that work there added a lot of the stuff that is that is um, specific to, you know, the UI kit or the iOS version of foundation. What I'm working on and myself and and the, and and others in the group are working on creating an iOS, sorry, a UI kit implementation um, so that you can deploy, so that people can do the same thing with um, with iOS applications that they can now do with Cocoa applications, where they could just basically take their iOS application, build it, and deploy it on the Android phone. Android phone that you know with with almost no effort. You know, in fact, a a company a while back was doing that with GNU Step before. Their name, their, they were called a portable. And uh, the company that's using their that framework that they developed is called Pocket Gems. Um, so, and you you may have heard of them. Um, so I, I find that, and if you don't mind me saying it, I know you didn't ask this question, but I find that Canoe Step is sort of a stealth project. A lot of people actually do use it, but they just don't know that they're using it, you know. Or a lot of companies have used it, but they don't say that they're using it. They just say, oh, well, we've ported our stuff to Android. And they don't say, hey, we used GNUSTAP to port our stuff to Android. They just port their stuff to Android magically, you know. And, I mean, so it's just – it's one of those things. We're, we're kind of like a, a submarine project. I've always, I've always loved the movie um, Das Boot, you know. Uh, and we're, we're kind of like – the the submarine that you know is 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 sort of like we're underwater we're hidden but we're not gone we're not dead we're not anything like that we're we're rising from the depths <laughs> if you know what i mean well so and it's interesting because a similar project though not quite the same the wine project yes. once it got valve as a, a sponsor I mean, they've they've always had crossover, but the combination of Valve and crossover has turned that project from something which almost worked a lot of the time into a viable solution that basically you can program Win32 yeah. uh, on on any environment. My son used to run um, Final Fantasy 15, 14, Final Fantasy 14 on his Mac. Now he uses now I mean he built another PC to run on Windows, but Final Fantasy 15 is using Wine to run um, uh, to run on Mac. I mean sorry the people Square Square Enix is using right. Wine to run on on the Mac, and it's flawless. Right. It's absolutely flawless. It works. It works great. And also, did you know that the Wine project is related intimately with React OS? Yes, which is another interesting project. And and some of the BSDs have done it to some extent, where they've taken Newstep and tried to create their own OSX. Yeah, I mean, I one oh one other thing we're working on is I had I had done a Kickstarter a while back for the I called it the Cacao Linux project, um, and that is something that I'm I'm still that is still sort of on the back burner. Because one of the things that I would really love to do is, I mean, because everybody gets all of their packages from Debian or from whoever, you know, 
And some of those products, some of those packages are not quite up to date with where GNU Step currently is. Some of them are a few years old. Some of them are last year. And believe me, I mean, if I mean, I personally have added support for 15 or 20, 20 classes since then. Um, you know, because I tend to be a very quick developer, so I'm I've added a lot of functionality since then. So they're a bit out of date. What I've always wanted to do is create a Linux or BSD reference implementation that has the latest of everything for the uh, with uh, you know that the project can do everything on master in other words everything is tested and we know that it works you know and then and then make it look as beautiful as possible to show people just how good GNU step can look and you know just how friendly it can be because I, I also created a an installation script that downloads all of the dependencies and everything for GNU Step and builds actually builds the um, builds the project uh, based on what whatever operating system you're on. It even works on MSYS2 is sorry on Windows as long as you have MSYS2 installed. Um, you know I'm going to one of the things that the reason why I haven't published it yet is because it doesn't work on certain operating systems, and the one thing that I know would happen is, is that people would look at this, you know, this this uh, command line that I would put on the website would be very much like, you know, brew or, you know, or some other things where you can use curl to get the latest version of the script and then, you know, build everything. Um, I mean, I know that I would get a lot of, hey, it doesn't work on Risk OS or something like that, you know. So I'm trying to make it as as I'm trying to make it work on as broad a set of systems as possible so that people can download and build GNU Step, you know, the latest of GNU Step on their on their um, on their on their platform, whatever that may be. Um, as long as it's as long as it's um as long as it's uh what is it, POSIX compliant and has an, a reasonably recent a reasonably like maybe not even reasonably recent as long as it has, is POSIX compliant and has a reason, reasonable X server, um, it's very likely that GNU Step can build and and you can build applications on it. So, how's your Wayland support as well? Oh, um, there is uh, there are two developers working on Wayland support, um, and it is it is coming along. Um, it's not complete yet, but it is it is definitely uh, being worked on actively right now. GNU-step doesn't need a window manager because an NS window knows how to draw itself. Because an NS window knows how to handle its events, it knows how to draw itself, including its decorations, um, so you don't need it. So with Wayland, we can run without X and just and be just fine. All we have to do is be able to render our graphics. Yeah. And, and I mean, I should... And I think that's another thing that's interesting to people is that NewStep can run on anything that runs Linux or Windows. So if you have any of those devices, right, you you can develop like they develop on Mac OS X. Yeah, yeah, because all of the tools, um, Project Builder and GORM, um. And, uh, you know, and all of the other tools that are used, you know, are buildable on 
any any of those platforms. So the so I mean there just so you know for the future there has been discussion about building an Xcode like application because currently you know Xcode is a combination of what used to be Project Builder and what used to be Interface Builder. Um, but you know there are certain things that have been lost in Xcode along the way. Um, you know. Uh, yeah, so I mean, you can't, for instance, for GORM, you can write palettes and create new classes and put them into palettes so that you can drag them into your application. You can't do that with Xcode anymore. Um, but yeah, you can use all of the same development tools and pretty much, you know, that, that are available on GNU Step, uh, which are very similar, similar enough that anybody who is schooled in, you know, how to write for a Mac can use it. Um, so yeah, I mean that was also one of the one of the goals of the applicant of the of the project. It was, I mean, I have to emphasize, and I probably should have emphasized this much earlier. GNUstep was not always meant. I mean, the prime goal of GNUstep is to be a framework for development. That is primary. Okay. Secondary is the compatibility, because what we wanted to do was. And that is by virtue of the fact that we have taken an existing spec, you know, OpenStep up to Cocoa, whatever, and implemented it. And I mean, so the project really has two main goals, and that is one, number one, to deliver the functionality and ease of development that you have on the Mac to every platform imaginable, or every platform that will support it. Um, and also to provide a way for for mac os developers to move from a platform that is becoming more and more lock-in to other platforms that are open and more free than 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 you know the mac o than mac os currently is um so yeah that's that's yeah that so yes that was part of the part of the point of of the project was to provide those tools. So you can you can develop tools that tools on you know on GNUstep that don't exist on a Mac. <laughs> you know, and um, there are many like there's a project, a side project called the GNUstep Application Project. It's at um, gap.nongnu.org. Um, and there are currently a number of games and including a port of the actual next version of chess. Um, from OpenStep, um, and it looks just like it has all. This, and, it, and oddly enough, it has all some of the same bugs that the that chess used to, that the chess.app used to have. Um, so yeah. How many people are on the new step team right now? Um, about fifteen. Um, myself and uh, I mean primarily myself, uh, Fred Kiefer, who is a developer that supports the GUI library. Uh, Richard Fritz McDonald, he works on the foundation library. Um, Ricardo Matola, who he supports the um, the uh, the uh, project builder and the G workspace, which is the it's the the Finder clone under GNUstep. Um, and myself, obviously, I I do GORM, and since I'm the chief main, lead maintainer, I pretty much dabble in pretty much everything else. <laughs> yeah. You know. So, so yeah, um, but there's other people like um, um, the guys from the guys from uh, from Algorithm, 
Uh, all of the guys, all of the developers who work at Eggplant are also members of the team. Um, so, yeah, so there's there's 15, 15 or 20-something right now. But, I mean, uh, the object right now is to grow that number as much as I can, because that's kind of my responsibility. Um, you know, so, I mean, Unistep is on GitHub. You can look at the code. I mean, people can look at the code. And if they're interested, they can join if they really want, you know. Um, so it's it's like uh, I think moving. I mean, if you don't mind me saying it, moving to GitHub was a really good move because it um, it exposed us to a lot of new eyes, if you know what I mean. Um, because we we were on uh, um, Savannah, which is it's run by an application called Savane, which is the same application that the web, same web application that people use on um, SourceForge, and it has a lot of shortcomings at this point. So we, when 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 a when their side sort of server, which was called Kana, shut down, we took all of our code base and moved it over to GitHub. So yeah. Now, if they do want to join. I assume they have to do the copyright assignment still. Um, I've been looking into relaxing that because I find that it's a big barrier barrier to entry. Sure. I mean, it's some people just don't want to do that. Um, but the okay, if I may speak on that for a little bit. Sure. Right now, right now, yes, we do, we do, you know, we do uh, require it. But my policy with respect to that is that. If you have emailed me and said that you were going, you would, you want to contribute, and then I will tell you, write a sign at GNU.org or go to the website and download the PDF. As long as I know that you've done that and that they've gotten you the disclaimer and or and or the assignment, because you can do really either. Um, you can say I disclaim all of this code, so that basically when you disclaim the code, it enters the public domain. So anybody can do anything with it, you know, or you assign copyright. Then the, the reason why we do that is because, you know, I mean, uh, all right, there's so many aspects to this. Okay. We've got a huge, you know, sword hanging over us in the form of Apple. Um, that sword has some somewhat been reduced by the, the recent actually it's been completely eliminated by the recent ruling of the Supreme Court, you know, for Google with respect to Java, because that um that uh court case was all about them implementing the Java spec, similar to what we're doing. Okay. We're implementing the open step spec, which is an open specification, but so was Java. But of course, Oracle went after them. But what that case did is it established the case law that was necessary for us to say, hey, you know, we're doing just the same thing that they're doing, and you ruled that as legal, so that's fine. But if you don't get like a copyright assignment or even a disclaimer from somebody, what you end up with is instead of one unified copyright, where if we are attacked by someone legally, with a unified copyright, that can be defended. You can take that to court as one entity and say, 
yay, we have got yeah, we've got the copyright, you know. Um so we're we're the we have standing to defend it. But if you don't have, you know, full control of that copyright, I'm not a lawyer, by the way, but sure. I just I've just, you know, assimilated this by osmosis from any number of sources. And that is that if you don't have that unified copyright, what you end up with is a mosaic of of copyright holders. You end up with Joe, who has a copyright on, you know, this class and John, who has a copyright on that class and, you know, and 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 Helen, who has a copyright on another class. And instead of bring, being able to bring one entity into court when you're defending yourself, you have to bring everybody. So and that becomes untenable. It becomes harder to defend, you know, and were we not implementing something that is, you know, because if GNU step becomes wildly popular, I'm quite sure what's going to happen is, is that Apple's going to go, oh, well, you're letting a lot of these people who write iPhone apps or iPad apps run their iPad apps on Linux or on Android or on whatever platform. And they're not going to like that too much right now. I mean, let's like this. I've heard from Apple employees saying that they love what we do. I'm sure they love what we do as long as we aren't harming them. You know what I'm saying? And the moment we become any sort of a, even a one tenth of a percent threat, I'm sure that Apple is going to say something or do something. And it would be nice to be able to that is iOS. Yes, because I'm sure that as long as we were stay specific to Cocoa, we're fine. Because I don't think that if you notice, there you're able to now build apps, you know, for the iPhone and then run them on the M1. Right. And I think I think the reason for that is coincidental because you you had you have frameworks when you build for iOS, you know, on your on your Mac now, on your Intel Mac, because you have to have them to run on the, under the simulator. Okay, so when you are, I think that the reason why you can run, you know, apps from your iPhone or for your iPhone on the M1 is simply because those frameworks are already there. It's just a matter of actually being able to, you know, dynamically, I mean, to run and act dynamically link with them. So I think that I think that what Apple is moving towards, and this is just complete speculation, is that they are very much leaning towards making the UI kit and foundation uh, combination sort of the default or the easier way to go. You know, because, I mean, let's put it like this. Um I used to be a huge Commodore fan. Um, I used to be a big Commodore fan, and they implement, they created a, a, a bunch of machines. One was the Plus Four, and one was the C16. And the difference was that the C16 had less memory. The Plus Four had, I think, 256 kilobytes of memory. But everybody wrote for the C16 because it was the lowest common denominator. And because it was for it was easier for developers, and this is the key, to reach the widest audience by developing for the C16, and that allowed them to also include plus four plus four people, you know. And so I think that the same thing is going on with Apple right now in the form of 
they're trying to make it so that you can develop applications using um, using UIKit for your Mac, and that will become sort of the default way everybody writes their apps. Because what's the point then in writing an app in both Cocoa and in UIKit if when you write it for UIKit you can run it on both your iPhone, your iPad, and your Mac? So I am I am convinced that if the GNU Step project were to aggressively pursue compatibility with UIKit, there would be a problem. Right. You know, um, in fact, the the nib archive closed sort of stuff that I was talking about before appeared on iOS about three or four years ago. It only came to the Mac OS today. I mean, like with, with version 12 um, of Mac OS. So yeah, yeah, they're they're I'm I'm convinced that they would have a problem if somebody implemented a UI kit clone and they do about it. Because the people at the Portable and Pocket Gems, that was kind of under the radar and that was only for games, you know. So if somebody created a, a, a UI kit clone that was open source and you know, free or and or free software, I think Apple would have a problem with it. Even just people Looking at the app, looking at GNU Step and saying, "Hey, um, I want to port my application so that it can run on Windows, um, or I want to port my application so that it can run on Linux or BSD." Even that helps because what happens is is that when people are developing applications, they in- inevitably find, well, I mean, not saying that we're full of bugs, but Inevitably, you're very likely to find bugs or issues or missing functionality when you write an app, when you try to put an application on top of any framework, you know, um, and GNU Step is no exception to that. So sure. it's not just it's not just people joining, it's people using it and, and, and porting their applications to it. Well, Greg, thank you very much for the conversation. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, great. It was Thank you for inviting me. I, I really appreciate it. The New Step Project can be found at www.gnustep.org. As always, thanks for listening.